Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things around investment management and the business of running an RIA firm. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome to the Conquer Risk podcast from uh, Potomac Fund Management. So my name is Jeff. I've got my business partner, Manish Kata, here with me. And we've got a topic that has been pretty pertinent to both of us uh, over the last year that we've worked on for different reasons. And, and it's one that uh, is the title reference for our podcast, right? Should financial advisors stop telling clients to save for college? Well, it's pertinent for both of us because my son just graduated from a four-year college and he's now dealing with uh, having to pay school loans back. And so that topic obviously relayed to Manish as well as you've got, uh, well, you've got your basketball team you're working on. Yeah, right. <laughs> with but, little uh, ones that you've got to save for. Before, before we jump into this, I think it's important to let everyone know, I, a big shout out to people who do podcasts. Uh, this is our third <laughs> round yeah. on this one episode. Uh, the first one sucked, and we admitted it. And the second one, my mic conked out, but we didn't find out till after the fact. So it was now the morning of July 4th. Happy Independence Day. And uh, we're in here bright and early trying to get this uh, knocked out. So um, it's uh, it, it's always fun. So yeah, to, back to 529. So we, um, I got two kids and one on the way, and uh, I tasked you about six months ago. I said, hey, Jeff, help me out. Um, do I save in a 529? What kind do I save? What kind do I use? I've done a good job saving money, but I didn't know if, if those vehicles are a good choice or not. And so I passed it to you to kind of start doing some research. And what'd you come back with? You know, well, I think uh, as a starting point, uh, you know, it was, it, it can be a, you know, every time I have to deal with 529s or saving for college, that sort of thing, it's, it's something that I think you do have to dive back in because the landscape changes. Uh, there's a major change in 09, another change in 14. Um, but one of the things that I want to touch on first, just to, let's let's hit a couple of statistics just to kind of put some legs underneath this this topic. Um, the class of 2018, which my son was part of, 69% of students took school loans. Uh, the average was $29,800 for a balance, and 14% uh, of parents took an average of $35,600 in loans. So, you know, parents are taking loans to help their kids in addition to what the kids are doing, which is a, an interesting subject because, right, if you, if you save enough uh, early enough, well, you may not, you wouldn't need to necessarily do that. Uh, some folks are fortunate enough to have cash flow to cover that. Um, but, you know, this is a big topic. This is, there's, there's over $500 billion more in school loans than there are in credit card debt. And we all know how much we talk about credit card debt as being a bad thing. So, I mean, that's that, and all those stats are from Student Loan Hero. We'll we'll provide the links to anything we talk about in the show notes. That's that's not a problem. You can go look at it well, yourself to, later. To that point, uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning, and I didn't know this. An interesting stat came up that eighty percent of those school loans are actually under fifty thousand, and the vast majority of those are actually under twenty five. So there's a very small percentage that are over the two two fifty range, and presumably those people are taking those loans to become doctors or lawyers or something that's going to uh, give them high salaries. So I think it, it does skew the data. It's, it's sort of dangerous when you use these averages and whatnot, but it, it, for sure, to your point, it's, it's, it's obviously a problem that's, that needs to be addressed and, and is in the media, obviously, with the debates and everything going on. 
Yeah, well, there's, you know, there's, uh, it's definitely something that is an issue because let's face it, right? A loan is a loan is a loan. Anytime that you owe somebody something, you're not only paying for what they let you borrow, but you're paying interest. And every time you're paying interest, you're paying something that instead is not going to your standard of living. It's not going to your, uh, your other investments, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're simply giving somebody else extra money. And, and obviously, if we can avoid that, and the sooner we can avoid it, the better off we are from a, from a financial planning, you know, holistic well, standpoint. And just a whole other topic that we should probably look into next time is <laughs> I, I, I also heard that it's, it's 44% of the government balance sheet. You know, how the heck did the government even get into this where they are, you know, the, the sole provider of these loans? You know, why not just, you know, tie it or peg it to the federal funds rate? Uh, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of wide-ranging topics this can splinter off yeah. into. Well, yeah, exactly. So I'll throw something in here that wasn't in my show notes. There's a here's a here's a fun one. Uh, it should be in recommendations. But Adam ruins everything as a TV show that goes through statistics. They provide the stats later in their own show notes. And one of the things that I learned from that show, it's it's actually a pretty funny deal. I didn't know at the time until a couple of years ago that school loans cannot be removed by a bankruptcy. I mean, think about that for a second, right? Of all the things we put an emphasis on, oh, well, I've got to make sure I pay my car on time. I've got to make sure I pay my house on time. I've got to make sure I pay the Hulu bill, right? Well, wait a second here. If you really end up in a bind, you've made some mistakes or you've had a problem or something, you know, hiccup in the road, school loans can't be wiped out. So get those suckers, you know, get it handled as soon as possible. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, right. so let's so, move on. So the 529, uh, what, uh, yeah. you know, you did some research there, and, and, and the goal was we are advisors, we are money managers, so it wasn't just finding a good 529 plan for a certain situation. It was, you know, for, for an advisor, what, uh, what plans out there sort of popped up for you? Yeah, so, we, I mean, we had some criteria, and I do think it's true that, you, you know, in, in most cases you're going to run into probably two or three different general situations, right, like anything, um, and... And the resource that I prefer every time I, I do this, I do I, I try and do a broad scope, and I come and keep coming back to uh, SavingForCollege.com. Great website, just mind blowing information. I mean, there's just a ton of stuff out there. But the uh, my I narrowed it down to five, right? And it was really three states, which is what I or four states, excuse me. Uh, but not uh, there are a couple of them. Nebraska and Nevada both have two plans each. And so it wasn't that I liked both plans. It's just they each had one that I, I liked. So Alabama, Nebraska, Nevada, and Utah. And those four states um, were worth uh, more, more review. And part of the review for us, right, the criteria in, in this particular case, <laughs> you know, we're tactical unconstrained managers. So the thought of, of trading a couple of times a year, making investment changes a couple of times a year, is, uh, is a little bit of a struggle, right? But we want to make sure in this particular case, you wanted to have plenty of investment options available to be able to at least when you do make a change you could you, you've got something to change too well here's here, one of the reasons let, oh, let me this is i think important because you know there is no right answer and it depends on what your criteria is and and i think you know i did a disservice by not mentioning this earlier that i mentioned to you that having an emerging markets fund or yeah. etf was a big deal for me 
for a lot of different reasons that we won't get into. And, and the normal person may not have that criteria. Maybe they just, you know, and maybe they shouldn't. Maybe you should just have an S&P fund and call it a day. But that was a criteria for me. And I didn't care about the states, which doesn't really matter anyway, right? It's a, it's a big misconception that you need to get a plan in your state. Um, so that was at least one criteria is the investment selection options and in uh, particular the, um, the emerging markets. Yeah, and, and that's why we ended up with uh, the Nebraska plan that uh, is through TDA. You know, uh, uh, that, that particular plan had plenty of investment options. I mean, it was, a, it was the most reasonable. The costs were reasonable. Like, everything about it seemed to, to fit. But one of the things that I do think is kind of humorous in this day and age, right? Uh, uh, even the government and the regulatory agencies want financial advisors to help clients. But basically, I mean, Utah's plan is, is trying to be a little bit more advisor friendly and allowing a download and you can speak to that yeah i mean that's That's it it. that's so we looked into it they were at a conference um uh, an orion advisor conference and i'm like okay maybe there's some headwind making in in this space and i went to talk to them and still no management fee no trading i think that's a government rule and the only thing was a download so yes you can report on it you can at least monitor it um but you know you and i both know unless you let advisors take a fee or a management fee from an incentive point of view, it, you, you, no one's going to pay attention to that space. It's, yeah. It's just... and, and you're right. I mean, in 2014 is when they switched from one trade a year to two trades a year. Um, yeah, that was made a permanent change, but uh, yeah, I mean, in the scheme of things, right, you, you've got to have a little bit of compensation. Otherwise you're just doing this for free. And frankly, it becomes low priority. I mean, that's just, I think human nature, I'm not, not throwing any blame out there. That's it. It is what it is, right? Most of us aren't running charities. So uh, we try and do the right thing for clients for sure. But at the same time, I know financial advisors like to have at least a, even, even if it was a, a small, small compensation, there's a little something in it uh, to, to help out. And the other thing though, is that they don't make, uh, they really don't make them graceful for, for, you know, like group trading sort of thing, right? I mean, if you've got discretion over a bunch of accounts, it's still a one-on-one basis. So, you know, it is so, what it is, right? Well, That's from, just some from of the our perspective, things. if you want to help a client out you, 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 and you're doing a holistic plan, you're going to help them out in that respect, right? But oh, if absolutely. you want advisors to go after this particular market, right. you don't let them have group trading, you don't let them take fees, you limit their investment options. It's just going to be further and further down the pole, you know, and, and so right. that, that's unfortunate and hopefully that changes. Um, but, uh, yeah. so anyway, the yeah, conclusion well, really was that you, you got a couple States, uh, nothing yeah. really advisor friendly outside of maybe <laughs> the Utah plan. If you consider just being able to download advisor friendly. Right. Yeah. And Utah did have a fair number of investment options. So it wasn't, it wasn't too bad, but when we were looking at them, they were still doing a lot of sort of refresh and their website was just painful to go through. And I was like, you know what, that, that, that really was the big kicker for me. It was like, let's just That's not like the go first there. turn it, off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If it looks like it's from 1973 and you're telling me that you're friendly to modern technology, it, it, there's kind of a conflict there. So, I mean, ultimately, right. We're, we're taking the first step in this situation with, okay, well, we do want to use a 529 plan. It did make sense for you in this circumstance. Um, but that's not always the case, right? I mean, the whole point, right. We're supposed to be talking about, should financial advisors tell clients to stop investing for college? And, and there are several reasons why that has become even a question, right? And, and one of those is just simply, uh, you know, are, are we, is it a control issue, right? Is there, are there things like, uh, you know, being able to those limited trades? Are there things like having to pay a penalty if the, maybe, you're, maybe the student does a great job and gets a full ride scholarship, 
right? Well, all of a sudden you've saved up all that. You've done a great job, right? You did what you're supposed to. You save up all this money, and now you have to pay taxes and a penalty because they didn't need the money. Well, that's frustrating. <laughs> I'm still, yeah, I'm still not convinced. And I think one of the important topics here is not that you shouldn't save for college, but should you save in, in those vehicles, like a 529 right. or a UGMA? And I'm still not convinced right. that it is the best way to go about it. Um, you know, Luckily, I've done a good job saving for money, uh, saving for college. Is it necessary to do that in a 529 or a UGMA? And, right. you know, and that was part of the, you know, the discussion that we had back and forth, right? And uh, one right. of the things that's helpful is that K-12 tax law change that allows you to pay for private school, private high school, or, or um, anything K-12 for that matter. And right. that makes it a little bit more appealing, I guess. Well, that was part of the tipping point for you, right? Was, that, okay, well, now there's an additional option beyond just college. Now, fortunately, you have several kids. I only had one. So, there. I mean, I, granted, uh, I do have decent. <laughs> yeah, I have more I of a fortune because. You ask me. <laughs> yeah, you have more of a fortune. <laughs> but I have some nieces and nephews I could have given money to. But, uh, you know, if I if I put a lot in there. But the approach that we took and, and what I like to do with clients is, at first, when it you know, when you're, you're dealing with most clients don't have their own liquidity, their own financial house in order, right? They're trying to struggle with that. And then they'll also have this innate feeling that I'm a parent, I'm supposed to save and pay for college. So one of the things that I look at as a contra to saving for college in one of these vehicles is saving money in a separate account, which you alluded to. That way it's your own money. Now, granted, a 529 leaves control to the, to the grantor, the, the person who's putting the, the, you know, has control over the account. But, uh, you know, when it's your own money, you can still choose to use it for college. It's just obviously you're going to pay taxes on the gains along the way. But, again, it's, a, it's kind of a control issue. And if you decide they become a knucklehead or they do something stupid or whatever, it's, it's yours. You can do what, what you want. And, by the way, it's helping your own net worth uh, in that manner. Now, there are some benefits for sure. I mean, you know, with the 529, obviously, there's the gift splitting, which I think is a beautiful thing if you're in the position you know, to do the $15,000 a year without a gift tax or, or, or multiply that by five. And if you have a significant other, right, all of a sudden you can put a whole bucket load of money if there's a windfall. And that comes into play. I've, I've seen that happen in situations with, uh, you know, an inheritance. If the well, timing is we, right, uh, and, you know, make good out of a bad situation. So. Can we talk about the elephant in the room, though? Yeah, go for it. Uh, what's the point of saving for college if it's going to be free and they're <laughs> paying for our loans? Yeah, well, that's a, that is definitely a, a, another topic for sure. And, you know, we'll see, right? Um, but that's that's one of the things that, uh, you know, your favorite phrase. You made fun of me on the first episode of, of my favorite phrase. Well, your favorite phrase is price is what you pay, value is what you get. You first said that in the Las Vegas conference that we were at together back in probably 2007. Um, that's the first time I heard you say that. And, you know, look, I think there is value in, in creating that struggle for the child to have to pay for some things. Um, and, you know, if, if we as parents just consistently cover 100% of everything, uh, they, haven't, they haven't learned any lessons along the way. So, you know, that's, but that's, a, that's an argument. That's a personal preference, right? Um, but that's part of our job is to discuss both sides of this, of this argument. Well, let's... One more thing, and this is probably going to be a, a separate topic here, a podcast, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the talk right now is to wipe out student loans. And, yeah. you know, uh, we have strong feelings on that. My personal two cents is they shouldn't, right? A loan is a loan. You took it out. Um, pay it back. 
and you took it out for a reason. And, and that reason is hopefully that you would get paid more in the future because of this higher earning asset, right? Well, and a double so, bonus, hopefully you actually graduate after you've, you've taken out these loans, right? Correct. Uh, and, and it's sort of, I think it'll solve itself. We talk about this all the time. If, you know, with the rise of the internet and the information that's at your fingertips, maybe college becomes useless and therefore less people go and therefore the prices come down. Um, is it expensive? Yes, it's ridiculous. And the, the increase in, in college tuition over the years is getting out of control. But a simple solution is if something else pops up that adds more value, right? But back to topic here, should college be free? Um, I, I, no, right? Uh, point blank, no. But at the same time, there's, there's other options, right? JUCO is a great option, right. trade schools, right. um, different uh, techniques rather than just handing out free college. It, it lessens the appeal of having that degree to begin with. Right. I'm a big proponent. My wife and I both went to junior college. Uh, of course, unfortunately, I flunked out of KU first. And then I found out that junior college was pretty cool. I uh, got my head straight, stopped drinking as much, and, and went back and was on the honor roll. So it, it wasn't an issue for me, and, and I had the capability. Uh, but what it does bring to light, and, and I don't admit, I, I mean, I don't have a problem in admitting that I did some stupid things when I was younger, uh, but it, it does bring to light the fact that there are a lot of kids that simply are not ready to take on a four-year institution as soon as they graduate high school, period. I mean, we, if you can recall that far back, it, <laughs> we weren't ready for much. I mean, yeah, you know, I, the, the first semester, I mean, I, I got to find these stats about how many kids just flunk out. I remember my freshman year, the, half the hallway didn't come back for the second semester in the dorm because they all flunked out because you couldn't handle it. You have no parents. You have bars everywhere. And, you know, you're on, even if you take a loan, you have a little bit of extra money to go blow. And so it's, it's, it's difficult. And, um, yeah, well, that's the, so that's the flashback for, for me was, uh, you know, I had no problem with math, which I guess it's a good thing I do what I do. Right. Um, but I tutored a, a several people because algebra at the university of Kansas was a kickout course, right? There literally was no class. You had the assignments and then you had, uh, in one of the halls, you had hundreds of kids lined up every night for a four-hour period where you could go and get help from a TA, but you could only ask one question, and then you go to the back of the line. So if you don't get a tutor or you're not good at math, you're not going to make it through algebra. And I didn't have to take algebra, so uh, like I said, it, it wasn't a problem for me. But, I mean, it was an eye-opener, right? Like, they seriously, they just want to take your money and then kick your butt out unless you can handle taking care of figuring it out on your own. And that's part of that's a beautiful thing about college. It's part of the process, right? Is figuring it out on your own. But I and think maybe that's we need maybe to do that's what the value schools. is. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. where the value is, just figuring out life. Because it's not those core classes. I mean, I say it all the time. Plant biology. You know, we, <laughs> I had a Friday morning plant biology class and Thursday night was the big night on campus. Every Friday morning my friend would drag me out of bed, take me to plant bio at seven thirty AM, hungover, just <laughs> slept in the back. I mean, it's just but who cares about plant bio? Who cares about half of those classes if your major is right. not in that area? But right. anyway, we're we're digressing. Let's let's bring this back. Yeah. On. All right. So one of the things that comes comes to mind, right? And come, uh, when you if you make college for free, right? Then a whole lot more people are going to be eligible for college. That's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But one of the unintended consequences is: are the schools prepared? You end up with higher classroom sizes, right? Are they prepared for the the living situation? I mean, the attendance could be much, much higher. 
And that's something that we really, right, unintended consequences, you have to plan for what the result will be. And I think just why, suddenly making college free is, is probably not a good thing in the, in the long run. You lower the, lower the value. And, you know, it is what it is. That's my, it's my opinion, right? That's the whole point. This is an opinion. Everybody okay. is in a different situation, but uh, that's where we, where, where we stand. You've already said you're, you're in agreement with that. Um, but, you know, ultimately, one of the questions that comes from that, which we're not going to address, but we do want to at least reference, is the fact that how do we pay for this? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, do yourself a favor. Just watch all the presidential debates. This stuff will get washed out. I mean, right, there'll be a couple of candidates that, that obviously are saying things that may not make it. Who knows? Um, not not going into that down that road, but we may address it later once some of these get ideas get shored up, and there's yeah, more I, likelihood. Yeah, I, I think come once about, once so. the debates get going and we get some actual concrete plans, we'll circle back because I think it's an yeah. important topic, right? It, it, without figuring out a way to pay for it, it it's it's moot. So right, um, yeah, we'll right. circle back. So all right, what else you got? All right, all right. Well, uh, I think we've probably knocked out uh, several things there in regards to uh, you know the the short answer, which we probably should have started with, is should you know should financial advisors stop telling clients to save for college? I think the answer is no, they shouldn't tell them to stop saving. I think they should save. It's just a matter of we may not want to save in every that particular vehicle, the 529 or the UPMA UGMA. We may want to do some other things or look at other alternatives. Make sure that the parents understand you call, there you are call it other an UGMA? Yeah, UPMA UGMA, man. Uh, I've, right. never heard, I've never heard it referred to are as Are you an serious? UGMA. Yeah. Well, come on just down to UG, Kansas. UGMA. We'll help you out. No, no I'm, not, man, I'm not going to Kansas. Uh, up my Ugna. Yeah. All right, well, I'm leaving <laughs> Kansas today, tomorrow. So uh, Colorado, here I come. Um, all right, so let's move on to recommendations. Manish, what you got? We were talking to one of our favorite advisors, and she had mentioned follow-up then. And uh, although I loathe new technology, I looked into it, and I may sign up for a little bit. Essentially what it is, it allows you to BCC uh, a certain email address to follow up. So if you want to say 8 a.m. at follow up, then when you BCC someone, it'll then give you that reminder. It's a shortcut cool. to not being able to go and add the task yourself, right? And that's <laughs> most technologies, that's a shortcut because we're all lazy shits who don't want to go <laughs> to two other pieces of software and add something. So right. I haven't tested it. I'm going to test it, but I think it's uh, for busy advisors with a lot of individual clients and and maybe not as good with the technology stack with CRMs. This is an easy way to stay in your email and still get those task reminders. And yeah. so, well, I, I will I'll circle back and 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 see if it's been of any success. Actually, that's a good point. You mentioned uh, you know handling CRMs. I'd love to hear from advisors if you would like our our insight. We've used uh, several different iterations and. And kind of going down that technology road, we could easily do a podcast on uh, on HubSpot or Salesforce. Well, I think we're going to add that into right. I mean, okay. we we've gotten a couple pieces of feedback where you know one of the things advisors yearn for is not just technology, but how other advisors are using that technology. Right. And so maybe right. you know once once a week, once a month, we pop in and maybe review a, a piece sure. we're using because we've changed over the years, right? We've adjusted and and right. tested and and yeah, we have a long list of. Uh, well, and that's one of the one of the reasons that I always enjoyed Potomac before I ever became an owner of the firm was the fact that that as a small firm and and you were the spearhead for this it, you were so far ahead on a technology standpoint than most other firms much much larger including the firms that I had worked with um, that uh, you know that was that was something that that I think is of high value which is why you're a, a I'm a nomad and you're an ex nomad right we can work from anywhere and uh, and we have the technology to to back that up. 
So, all right, we'll move on to my recommendations. Uh, for me, I think the recommendation is going to be Facebook Marketplace versus Craigslist. Now, whether you know what both of those are or not, that's that's a, a whole different subject. But the reality is Craigslist is, for years, probably 10 years, has been an easy place to sell stuff, right? I mean, now you see TV advertisements for, like, Let Go, that, you know, other software applications. But I think Craigslist was pretty cool for a long time, and then the spammers figured it out. And what I mean by that is you post something, and last time I used Craigslist, five minutes is all it took, and I was getting phone calls from spammers and getting communication from spammers in, in its various forms. So I've given up on Craigslist, and I decided last couple of times I've needed to sell something as we ditched stuff from the apartment. Uh, I used Craigslist for the house two years ago, getting rid of everything. And then when we got rid of stuff out of the apartment, I started using Facebook Marketplace. So much better. Uh, the primary reason is that you, you can see the profile of the folks that are trying to uh, ask you questions or interested in buying. Uh, and what I'm looking for is not anything about race, religion, color, creed, blah, blah, blah. It's have they been on Facebook for a long time? What kinds of posts are they making? Are they right? I mean, I want to see if they're actually integrated into the system. And that's a pretty good tell whether or not they're spammer or dangerous or or whatever. You know, I've gotten a, I have gotten a couple where I looked at them and there's two or three posts over a five year period. And, you know, it's well, you clearly can, you can also tell you can tell what they sold. You can tell what they've right. sold in the past. Craigslist, you have no idea if they've ever sold anything, if they're the Craigslist right. killer. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And so I just think it was a, it's, a really easy, uh, it's a really easy tool. So kudos to Facebook. I'm not a big Facebook fan. Uh, don't use it a, a super ton. I'm not looking at it every day. But that marketplace is a pretty cool setup to be able to, uh, to get stuff sold and actually to buy a couple of things. So it works, okay. it works both directions. Um, and then as a special bonus today, just, just for you, because you know I'm, uh, I'm having to work out, start working out again. Uh, I did, by the way, I did ride uh, almost six miles this morning before the rain started, and that wasn't supposed to be here. All right, so my other bonus recommendation is Biscoff cookie butter. That is the most evil thing that I have found in the last five years. I don't buy it. I refuse to buy it. I bought one jar. I ate it in a heartbeat, and... Yeah, that's it's just pure evil. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking for something new to be an addiction, go find Biscoff cookie butter. Try we'll provide a link for that as well. Yeah, it's it's worth it's worth uh, it's worth trying so that you know that the evil does exist in this world, <laughs> and then you can move on. So, what else you got? Anything? That's it. Let's wrap it up. All right. So, like, share, subscribe, dance, drum, beat, whatever you got to do. Enjoy. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We'll continue on this approach every week, giving you a podcast. And uh, conquer risk, right? How we, we run an RA and our journey. So thanks for listening. Adios. Thanks.